Today's episode is about rewiring your brain for contentment. And I've got a little worksheet that you can download. If you go down into the show notes, click the link at the end of the show notes, download the worksheet. It'll walk you through the steps to help you rewire your brain for contentment and make life a little bit better. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast, Intentionally Designing a Lifestyle of Freedom. I want to add to last week's episode where I talked about happiness and how to have more happiness in your life. Today, I'm going to talk about how to rewire your mind for more contentment, rewiring your brain to be a more content person. quote I have for you today Actually, a couple of them. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, most people are about as happy as they want to be or as they make up their minds to be. And the other quote I have for you comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, the measure of mental health is the disposition to find good everywhere. In other words, be a good finder, be a good seeker. Yeah, that probably brings to mind Pollyanna. And that book was written in 1913 by Eleanor H. Porter. And the the main character, Pollyanna, kind of became an example over the last hundred years or so to show what positive thinking looks like, to show what happiness, what joy, contentment looks like. Um, now, yes, the, the character in the book or the movie, if you only watched a movie, while extremely positive, was sometimes overbearing with it. Like she became unreasonably happy with everything that happened. Every single situation that came up, she always found the good or the positive in it. But shouldn't we try to err on the side of looking for the positive, looking for the the good in any situation, of being a good finder, a good seeker in everything? Uh, there's some psychologists that uh, found that positive thinking is made up of eight distinct behaviors. And that is, number one, turning your negative self-talk into more positive statements. Number two, looking for whatever is positive in a given situation or finding the silver lining, as we like to say. Stopping the negative thinking by distracting yourself, whether that's through meditation or, you know, reading a book or talking it out or, or whatever that is, getting out of the negative mindset. And I'll go into that a little bit more later. Uh, the next thing is realizing that positivity might be helpful in the current situation. Most times it is. You just have to shift how you're thinking about it. Knowing how things are made easier by breaking up big tasks into little ones. Being able to visualize a positive outcome to whatever the task or goal that you're trying to accomplish. Learning techniques that help examine negativity to determine if it's a, re a reasonable and valid thought. And last of all, making a conscious effort to think more positively to control the negativity. So there's, there's so many different ways that people go about being more content. Most people think that, you know, more money will bring me more happiness and more contentment. And, you know, that while not true, it's not true. Like Jack Spierko says, you know, money maybe can't buy happiness, 
but it can buy a jet ski. And I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski. You know, I say that tongue in cheek, but the truth is that doesn't bring true happiness, true contentment. I'm calling this contentment because my last episode is about happiness. So we're talking about contentment today, true contentment, like being at peace with who you are and where you are in life. Where this episode comes from is recently I've seen so many people, heard from so many people, talked to so many people who are unbelievably unsatisfied and discontent with their life, whether they've made bad decisions or they've made decisions that they now regret, they find themselves in a place in life that they don't like. And they can't seem to find the positive in it. They can't find contentment. They're they're stuck in their own head and they can't move forward with who they are. They can't move forward and be content. They're, they're absolutely stuck in their mind. It's, if you, if you have ever heard a stuck record, it, it's, uh, a record is an old vinyl or LP, um, old 45s. <laughs> There's so much fun to listen to. I love the sound that comes from those, but they were what was before cassettes. And then came CDs and then came MP3s. And we're still in that stage, but. The old records, they would get a scratch across it, and then the needle would get stuck on that, and it could not move past the scratch. You had to physically go shift it, go move it, so that it could move past that scratch. It could move past that mindset thing that was holding them back, that's holding the record back. And I'm I'm getting uh, I'm getting my things mixed up here. A record is like your brain. It plays the music that you want it to play. Okay, sometimes the music is a happy song. Sometimes it's a sad song. Sometimes it's an upbeat, get shit done song. Sometimes it's a moping around song. Whatever the song is, you can put a different record on. You can change it. You can do something else with it. But when that record gets scratched, when it has something in it that won't allow the needle to move on. It's stuck. It can't move on. And it plays the same sound over and over and over and over and over again. And when that happens, you know, that is, it's super painful on your ears to listen to. And in life, when we get stuck and we play the same sound over and over and over again, and we're just stuck in our crappy situation, we hate the place in life where we're at. That comes through how we live. It comes through in our relationships and our conversations, even in our text messages and and every little thing that we do. That comes through, that discontentment, the unhappiness, the the hating where you are in life. And it's so painful for me to see that. Like, there's obviously things I don't like about my life. But overall, I love where I'm at in life. I love the the chase of what I, what it is I want in life. I have a goal that I'm working towards. And... I think when people get stuck, when we get stuck, it's because we realize that maybe we don't have a goal. We realize that maybe 
the goal that we thought we were going towards or the thing that the, the life that we had a vague vision of is not the direction that we're heading. And it gets us down. It's like, this is not what I thought my life would be like. And the problem I see there most times is that those people, I was guilty as well. But when you find yourself realizing that you're not at the place you thought your life would be, it's because you didn't sit down and write out what your life was. Quite literally, your life is like a sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper. And Okay, I'm, I'm going to change that a little bit. I, I put out something recently on social that your life is like a blank piece of paper. And I may have stated this in the last episode. And then I changed it. I said, really, the problem in life is people try to write out their life as if it were a blank sheet of paper, but it's not. God gave us parameters around which to design our life. He gave you a unique personality. He gave you interests and skills and talents. Those are the things, the parameters that God gives you around which to design your life. The, the, the story of your life. You know, some of you out there are authors, you're writers, and if you have a blank book that you're writing, it is tough to write a story. But when you have the characters and you have the plot line and all of that, you can write out a good story because you've got some parameters. You know, you know the genre that you're writing, whether that's sci-fi or romance or Western or, you know, whatever kind of novel that you're writing. You have parameters there that guide the writing. You have things that guide the storyline. God gave us parameters. God gave us things to guide our storyline, but he allows us to write the story. And you quite literally can visualize, like set in your mind, your, your, your story. You know, you can't, obviously you can't change the past. So if you're at a place where you don't like where your life is at now, you know, you're stuck. Like, why did I do those things? I made decisions I regret. Or I made bad decisions that put me in a really bad place right now. Whatever that is, you can't change the past, okay? All you can do is step into the story where you're at. And from there, using the parameters of your life currently, you know, the the uh, your character, the main character, you, in the story is quite developed. It's got a unique personality. It's got things that it's interested in. It's got things it likes to do. It's got a supporting cast around it. Those things you can't change. So take those things and write a beautiful story. Make the story be what you want it to be. You can do it. God gives us the pen and says, write out a story that honors and glorifies me using the parameters I've given you. And to me, that's super exciting. To other people, that's super depressing. Like, I can't even understand it. But anyway, I want to share with you five things that you can do to improve your feelings of contentment, okay? So contentment is a state of being where one feels happy or feels, thinks pleasant thoughts the majority of the time. 
That is a, uh, a psychological definition of contentment. Being in a happy state of mind or thinking positive thoughts the majority of the time. Certain seasons of life make it a little harder to feel happy, to feel content, to feel satisfaction. But learning how to feel satisfied or content despite those things will carry you a long way. And it's a lot easier than you think to improve how you feel, to improve your contentment. And that that makes me think of something else. Contentment is like any other feeling. It's like uh, depression. It's like sadness. It's like um, patience. It's like any name of feeling like love. It's like a lot of those things. There are things that can give you temporary feelings that, that can make you feel those things temporarily. Okay. But you have the choice to either step into that feeling and wallow in it or to say, Hey, what is this? This is a feeling that I've been given by this situation. And you can step aside, look at the feeling and say, is that legitimate? You can turn it around and look at it. And if you could see my hand, it's, it's like I'm holding my phone here. You can look at it from all angles and study it and be like, should I legitimately feel like this about this thing that happened? Is, is this something that is going to help me or is this something that's going to bring me down? That's going to further my life or that's going to put a damper on the life I want to live. You have the choice to accept the feeling or to say, you know what? There is this feeling. I feel it, but I choose to let it go and choose something better. Whether that's depression, whether that's sadness, happiness, contentment, any of those things, you can choose to let the feeling take control of you or you can control the feeling. So here's five things that you can do to improve your feelings of contentment. Number one is gratitude. Tony Robbins says that every single morning he starts out by thinking, I think of three or maybe five things that he is grateful for in life. And he doesn't just think of, oh, I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for uh, my farm. I'm grateful for a chicken. I'm grateful for the goat. Okay, done. No, he says, think of an actual happening from your past. Think of something that happened. Like, I am grateful for that time when me and my cousins went snowboarding and to actually step into that feeling, like close your eyes and visualize yourself. For me, it would be driving to the ski slope, you know, eyes opening and wander at the snow covered mountains and trees, the, the snow falling off the trees over here, the, the vehicles coming up out of the parking lot, splashing through the melted snow, um, the, the sights and sounds of the lift moving up and down the mountain and the shrieks of delight as the kids snowboarded or skied for the first time. Step into that situation. Feel the gratitude and the greatness. And he, Every morning, Tony Robbins goes through, I think, between three and five things, and he steps into that feeling. And he says it's impossible to start your day off feeling bad or feeling depressed 
if you step into five different situations that you're grateful for and feel those feelings, that starts your whole day off better. So focus on gratitude. Um, another one is self-care. Now, that can go a lot of different ways from spas to getting your nails done to getting your hair done to it can be a bunch of different things. It could be going golfing. It could be going to a football game. It could be going fishing. It could be sitting down and reading a book. But it's self-care is anything that promotes your overall wellness. Okay? And if we don't do things to take care of ourselves. You know, a lot of people think that self-care is selfish because it's all focused on your own self. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Even the Bible says that, I, I don't remember exactly how it is, but essentially you love others the way that you love yourself. And I wish I could quote the verse. I, I could pause and go look up, but I'm not going to. You have to take care of yourself so that you're good enough, so that you are a whole enough person in order to take care of the other people around you as well. The third thing you can do, and I talked about this a little bit, is to shift your perspective. We often come up with situations in life that give us those feelings, and we focus on the negative side of it. Okay? You know, there's two sides to every coin. If you can shift that object, shift that feeling, find the positive in that. Don't only look at and dwell on the negative. Yes, sometimes you have to see the negative and work on it. Sometimes you have to see the negative and do something to change it. But focus on and find the positive or the silver lining. Another thing you can do is to uh, take a look at your inner circle, the people around you. It's been said by many people that we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. And I'll say that again. We are the sum or the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So look at the people that you spend the most time with. Are they promoting wellness? Are they lifting you up? You know, a rising tide, they say, floats all boats. Are the people around you helping you to float, or are they dragging you down? Because their feelings, their thoughts, their beliefs will shed off on you. They will bring you closer to what they are. So try to steer clear of people who drag you down. And if you are a person who drags others down, you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that, step into it and say, I am not the kind of person that I would want to be around. So I'm going to change that. I'm going to make me, I'm going to turn me into somebody that I would want to hang out with. Can you, can you imagine that? Turn yourself into somebody that you would want to hang out with. And then the fifth thing that you can do to improve your contentment is to limit or eliminate media consumption. Okay? How many of us spend hours scrolling Instagram or TikTok or Facebook reels or YouTube videos or whatever it is. Then you've got the news on TV or uh, you've got sports or news. <sighs> the list is endless and it is almost all negative. There's so few things that are positive in media and it just drags you down. I would challenge you to 
go a week with no media, with no social media, with no uh, news media, with no sports. Go a week without that. Choose who and how you will, who you will communicate with and, and your communication platform, like say texting and calling or WhatsApp or Voxer or whatever that is and say, these are the people that I will communicate with. Everyone else can wait for a week unless it's an emergency in which they should know how to get a hold of me. They can call me. But limit your consumption of negative media, of negative things. That will go a long way towards giving yourself a positive attitude, towards giving yourself feelings of contentment. Um, I don't know. I know you, I've talked about it some, but I don't know if I have in the last couple of episodes. I'm reading a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And psycho being of the mind, cybernetics is the theory of how complex systems work. So psycho-cybernetics is literally the theory of how the mind works. And this guy has done a lot of research and a lot of uh, counseling and coaching and stuff to help his clients shift their mindset to, to become who they want to be. Where his background was as a plastic surgeon and in doing plastic surgery for, for his clients, he came to see that a lot of them simply needed to shift how they saw themselves. Many of his clients, he would shift their mindset and they would realize that they didn't even need the plastic surgery they thought they needed. You know, their nose wasn't the issue. It was how they thought other people thought about their nose. Um, one of the recent examples that I read was about a salesman who had a slightly larger than normal nose. I have a slightly larger than normal, than normal nose. I'm not that salesman though. But the salesman thought everybody was turned off by his nose. He thought it gave them bad attitudes towards him. He thought it gave the customers a, uh, a, a poor view of him and who he was and how he was. He thought it gave his coworkers and his boss a negative attitude towards him, all because of his nose. And when uh, he went to to see this author, Maxwell Maltz, the guy that wrote Psycho-Cybernetics, he went to see him about it. Max, or Maxwell, I'll call him, Mr. Maltz, he suggested that he try an experiment before he go through with the plastic surgery. And he said, for 30 days, I want you to Think nothing but positive thoughts toward yourself. I want you to, anytime you see a negative thought, capture that thought and put it to the side and reframe it to a positive thought. Reframe it to positive thinking. Like think positively. Be positive about the situation, not pessimistic. And he said the man changed like unbelievably much. He went from nearly being fired because not making any sales and having a poor attitude to his customers became nicer to him or so he thought. You know, his, it wasn't his clients or his the people that were buying from him. It wasn't uh, his sales clients who had the bad attitude. It was him and it was how he approached them. So his feelings about himself changed as his mental state changed. 
as that continued to happen, as he changed his mental state to one of positivity rather than negativity, even his boss became more, you know, got, became nicer to him in his mind. He, he was even commended for his work ethic, for his good salesmanship, if that's the right word. It all shifted because he shifted his attitude. He shifted from one of negativity, from seeing the bad in his situation to seeing the good, towards being the good seeker like Pollyanna talked about. You know, we like to make fun of Pollyanna, but there is something to that. You have to shift your mindset from one of negativity to one of positivity. It all happens in your mind. God, God gave us an incredible uh, machine in our brain. You know, we look at technology and we can't understand it. The technology in a cell phone is probably 50 years behind the technology that exists out there, you know, in black, black sites and supposedly. I, I don't know that for a fact, but supposedly the technology that's available to the public is years, probably even decades behind what technology actually exists. Even the most powerful computer today is not as powerful. It cannot compute the things that the human brain can. God designed that complex system and gave it to us. And too often, we let it control us instead of us controlling it. Think about that for a second. You can control your mind. You can tell it what you want it to work on. You can tell it what you want it to do. You can tell it anything. All you have to do is put the program in and make it run on that. It does take work. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of hard work. Trust me, I'm no pro at it. I fall off the wagon all the time. I am not a pro at making my mind work on exactly the things I want it to work on. I want to read a few things that I outlined or highlighted in uh, in the latest chapter that I'm reading. I would highly suggest uh, you go pick up this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, either buy the physical copy on Amazon, I recommend that, or buy the audio book or the Kindle version or whatever, but go read or listen to this book, especially chapter number seven, titled, You Can Acquire the Habit of Happiness. Um, I'm going to read through a few things that I highlighted here. Happiness is simply a state of mind in which our thinking is pleasant a good share of the time. He highlights a quote by Blaise Pascal, a 17th century philosopher. And he said, We are never living but only hoping to live and looking forward to being happy. And it's inevitable that we are never so. Anytime you're only looking forward to something, you're not that thing. You don't look forward to something if you are that thing, if you have that feeling, if you are happy, if you are content, why would you look forward to being content? Just be content. Um, I, I don't think I finished my thought earlier on how the feelings that we have, whether that's contentment, um, happiness, sadness, patience, any of those things, they're all alike in that you have to exercise those feelings. You have to step into them in order to have them. You know, if if you want it, if you're looking at it from the outside, wishing for it, you don't have it. 
You have to use it. You have to put it to use. You have to utilize contentment in order to be content. The same with patience. You're not going to have patience. You have to be patient. These are not having things. These are being things. And we're human beings. So you need to be content. You need to be patient. Not have patience. Be patient. If you want to have happiness or contentment, then you must be content. Not because of. Not be content because of. Anytime you look for outside stimuli for the being, then you're not going to achieve it. You're not going to have it. Happiness is produced by, not by objects, but by ideas, thoughts, and attitudes that can be developed and constructed by our own activities, irrespective of the environment. And that brings to mind uh, Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He, he was in a, either a concentration camp or something like that when he wrote this book. Or maybe he didn't write the book, he wrote it after. But he learned that no matter, like, like Paul said, in the Bible, I've learned whatsoever state I am to be content. No matter what my outward circumstances are, I can still be content. You maybe can't have food. You maybe can't have a house. You maybe can't have the extra car. You maybe can't have the billion dollars. You maybe can't have the thing that you want to have, but you can still be content. Nobody can take the being away from you. No matter what happens, no matter what goes down in your life, no matter what somebody does to you, no matter the outside circumstances, I don't care what it is, you can still choose how you appear, how you show up in life. You can choose to be content. Man is a goal-striving being and he is functioning naturally and normally when he is oriented towards some positive goal and striving towards a desirable goal, okay? Contentment is a symptom of normal, natural functioning. And when man is functioning as a goal striver, he tends to feel fairly happy or content regardless of the circumstances. Okay, I I can't hammer that home enough. I have so much more highlighted in here, and I, I can't go through them all. It's, (laughs) It's, <laughs> I would highly, just, just go buy the book, Psycho-Cybernetics. I would let you uh, borrow mine, but I'm not done with it. And I don't want to let it go because I don't let books go. So you're going to have to go buy your own. Uh, I want to read one more thing before I end this. And he's talking about learning the happiness habit or contentment. Our self-image and our habits tend to go together. Change one and you will automatically change the other. The word habit originally meant a garment or clothing. This gives us insight into the true nature of habit. Our habits are literally garments worn by our personalities. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Our habits are literally garments or clothes worn by our personalities. You can put on the habit of contentment, of being content, of looking for the good in a situation. These things are not accidental. They're not happenstance. We have them because they fit us. Your discontentment fits you because that's what you practice. 
Our habits are consistent with our self-image and our entire personality pattern. If you have a self-image of being discontent, of, of I am discontent, then you will be discontent. But if you have the self-image, and you can change that, if you have the self-image of someone who is a content person no matter what, sure, you'll have chaos going on around you, but you can be content in the middle of it. You will be that if you, if you exercise that habit. When we consciously and deliberately develop new and better habits, our self-image tends to outgrow the old habits and grow into the new pattern. 95% of our behavior, feeling, and response is habitual. Did you hear that? 95% of the way we act, feel, and respond is habit. Okay, so you can change how you act, how you feel, how you do, how you be by being and acting differently. Who do you want to be? How do you want to feel? Then feel and do and be those things. Just start. You can do this. Do good work. <laughs>